Good morning, church. I'm uh, Buzz Brown, one of the pastors on staff here. And be, uh, my job this morning is to con- move, help us to continue moving through uh, our, se- our series on, called Freedom Bound as we're, as we're working verse by verse through the book of Romans uh, this week. And um, last week, actually, as I was uh, uh, sitting through the, the service, I was struck with the, the image of, uh, of the terrible twos. The terrible twos. Anyone know what the terrible twos are? Have had an experience with that? There's, I know there's lots of, lots of moms in the back, back over here. And I, well, all of us, either moms and dads and probably grandparents as well, kind of had this experience with the terrible twos. This is when uh, suddenly at, 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 at this, not necessarily um, at, right at two, uh, but around that age when our uh, child kind of discovers that they they, they can actually, they have a kind of a mind of their own and they can make some of their own decisions and they want their independence and they want to be able to do what they want to do and no one is going to hear otherwise. Or going to, no one is going to get in their way from doing that. Uh, I remember in our, in our own case, um, actually uh, your drummer today is my oldest um, and he was an awful, awful <laughs> infant. He was an awful infant. Um, and he cried and cried and cried, and maybe it was because we were brand new parents. Uh, that might have, I'm sure that had something to do with it, but it just seemed like he cried all the time. And um, when he was about six months old, he had gotten to be uh, actually kind of roly-poly. He was a kind of chunky, and um, I remember Gene going to the pediatrician because he wouldn't sleep through the night, and, and the, the doctor said, well, um, I'll tell you one thing is that he doesn't, uh, it won't hurt him to miss a meal. So... <laughs> So, so, but you can see that kind of that all um, he kind of burned all that off. And actually, as he became uh, became a toddler, he was really quite pleasant. And people kept warning me about these terrible twos that were coming, and I needed to be ready for that. I go, "What are you talking about? The kid's just fine, no problem at all." And then all of a sudden, it was like, and it really, it literally was on his second birthday. On his second birthday, with the two of us were playing uh, in the in the driveway together. Uh, I, was, I was rolling a ball, and he was hitting it with his little little wiffle ball bat. And something went wrong. I'm not even sure what it was, but he totally just melted down. He was laying on the ground and kicking and screaming. I'm going, Ah, it's happening! The terrible twos. They warned me about this, and it's happening. So I'm going, Oh. Well, uh, obviously, he kind of worked his way out of that as well, um, as m- most often do when they have you know, loving parents can- caring for them and leading them. Uh, but sometimes we sort of still uh, demonstrate those behaviors and those actions where we think we know something, uh, we're pretty sure we know it and we're right, and we want, it's our opinion, and we're going to stick to that opinion one way or another. And when, that, when those types of feelings and that type of attitude kind of infiltrates itself into the church and specifically around certain issues, then we can have times of trouble. And I believe that's sort of the atmosphere that Paul is speaking into as he's uh, uh, writing this letter to the church at Rome on on in anticipation of his coming there, but he wanted to send this letter on ahead and address some issues that the church was dealing with. And uh, last week, uh, we had a chance to kind of dive into this particular issue, uh, some initial parts of it, and today we're going to finish that up, uh, at least in, in terms of dealing with this issue. And uh, before we do that, uh, I would just love you to join with me as we ask God's 
uh, presence with us and in, in these words this morning. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together this morning. And uh, we pray, Lord, that, that you, the truth, the, the whole truth of your word would come through to, our, uh, to us today, that it would register in our brains and that it would uh, take seed in our heart. And from that, uh, it, our actions would, would follow. And our actions that would demonstrate love and care for one another and our total reliance on your holy word. Thank you. Uh, be with us now as we proceed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, the this, this scene, and was, we talked about this last week, and uh, in, in by way of review, uh, is with the, to the church at Rome. And the, the church there, of course, was comprised of, of both Jews and Gentiles. And their Gentiles had come out of, uh, many of them that have, have, had come out of their pagan rituals and pagan beliefs to become Christians. And on the other hand, the Jews uh, that were called from their Jewish traditions and their Jewish faith to realize that Jesus Christ was the one that was prophesied in Scripture and he was the fulfillment of all that Scripture and was actually the Messiah that had come for salvation for all. And those two groups with their various very different backgrounds were joined together to form a congregation um, and asked to get along with one another in, in that area. And it's, it's, it's within that setting that this issue arose, and that was the issue of whether or not meat that had been sacrificed to idols should, uh, should be eaten by anyone. And uh, there was a, this, uh, one, one group that thought this, this meat was dedicated to this idol, so if I eat it, I'm, I'm going to contaminate myself, and I'm going to actually participate in that ritual. And others said, you know, come on, it's just meat. Actually, the, the, the idol doesn't even exist, so if you, how do you send, dedicate something to something that doesn't exist and think that it changes it? And so with those very divergent viewpoints on that particular topic, there, it got to be a problem. And so into that problem, Paul, as it, Paul had heard about that, heard reports of that, actually that problem existed in the, in the Corinthian church as well, and Paul addressed it there too. But he wanted to write into that and speak into that. And that's what we, talked, we started off with um, last week. Um, and uh, I think, you know, like I say, the, the, the behavior that was exhibited sort of made me think of people going through the terrible twos as adults. So we're going to be looking at... Uh, Chapter or Romans chapter or Romans fourteen beginning at verse thirteen, and if you brought your Bible with you today or you have this on your device, uh, please you want to turn to that right now. Romans fourteen thirteen, and if you don't have one of those, I really would encourage you to to take out one of the church provided Bibles uh, because it, there's some really interesting wording in here that we need to need to pay att- close close attention to, and it's really good for you to see that in the Bible, in your Bible, and to understand that as well. So that's uh, Romans chapter 14, at verse 13, and that actually is uh, found on page 949 if you're going to use one of the church Bibles. So just kind of, again, to review and bring us all up to speed on if you weren't a, a part of our, us last week, is Pastor Greg had kind of talked into this subject beginning in, the verse, beginning in chapter 14, and um, we see here that Paul had actually kind of segregated the people, at least the people on the extreme sides of this issue, and in terms of calling them the weak and the strong. Uh, and just for, you know, this is, I, this is not my definition. This is Paul's definition from Scripture, 
as he's dealing with these people and how he's classified the people on the extreme sides of this issue as being either weak or strong. And the first one, of course, is the, those that, are, that he called weak are people that had a personal conviction about a non-essential issue, which the eating of meat um, was regarded as a non-essential issue, uh, and that they had a belief that you shouldn't eat this meat that was offered to idols, and actually they believed that others shouldn't either. You call yourself, you shouldn't call yourself a Christian and be eating that meat. Okay, they, they had that view. The strong, on the other hand, are those that understand that they have liberties and freedoms in Christ around certain particular non-essential issues. And in doing, in doing so, actually in Paul's definition, this is, he says, but despise those who don't. And that's right from Scripture. Paul used that, that's a really strong word, but we're thinking about those of us that, that have a particular viewpoint and we how we may look down on someone who's not as advanced as we are in our, in our thinking. And so we kind of despise them. So those are the, 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 the weak and the strong. And as Greg unfolded this last week, uh, the, what he would have us do, or would have what Scripture is telling the weak and the strong to do here, is first of all, there to, uh, above all, always obey your conscience. Always obey your conscience. And uh, specifically, those that have a strong view about something that they personally believe is wrong, for them to do so is actually sin. To disobey your conscience in a, in a, in a matter like that is, for you, it is sin. And that's uh, clearly, clearly spoken to in Scripture. Secondly, um, for, for, for all of those involved in that, is, that, is don't pass judgment on one another regarding these issues. And that the term judgment means to, to actually think of someone as not being saved, not, not being, you're, not a, you're not a believer with me. If you think that, you're not a, fo- a follower of Christ like I am because you're clearly, are, your mind isn't in the right place. If you differ than me on this issue, that's uh, the, the use of the passing judgment there. And finally, um, as, as we got through to this, is that whatever you do, however you respond to these issues, and, and Greg illustrated this point uh, for us. He says, you know, we're supposed to do everything unto the Lord. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it unto the Lord. And, and uh, of course, Greg um, illustrated the point by talking about his single piece of pepperoni pizza. And I thought it was kind of cruel to do that to a bunch of people that are sitting, you know, waiting for lunch to come along and be talking about pizza like that. So, uh, but that was his, his, his point. Just as you're eating it, it's, or whatever you're doing, do it unto the Lord and in celebration of him. So... That's kind of the background of where we're picking it up this week and moving on forward from here. So we're going to be looking and starting at Romans chapter 14, beginning at verse 13. So let's look at that together. I guess that's it. Okay. Uh, not yet. Not so fast. Okay. Romans 14, 13. Therefore, it says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Now, I think this, this sentence is critical to what unfolds in this whole, whole particular part. He's talking about, he says, therefore, of course, which sums up everything that he had said in the first part of that chapter, that whole uh, verses 1 through 13. He says, therefore, and then let us. So he's talking to both groups at that time. He's talking to the weak and to the strong alike. He says, let us and one another, okay, this is how we treat one another, how the weak should treat the strong, and how the strong should treat the weak. That's one another. 
in telling them not to stumble or hinder one another. And that's, uh, that's our point right there. So he's, basically, he's saying, first of all, that we need to decide to do that. And so in deciding that, that's, a, that's something that it, it says, we've had some thought about this. We've pondered this. We have come to a conclusion in this area. And so based on that conclusion, we need to move forward in this manner. And so based on that conclusion, we need to decide that we don't ever want to be a stumbling block or a hindrance to another in the faith. And so to one of our brothers or sisters. So uh, he says, don't do that. Don't be a hindrance or a stumbling block. Both you, strong and weak, do not be uh, a stumbling block to your brothers or sisters in the Lord. And we often and most often use this particular verse in illustrating the strong's responsibility to the weak. And I think that's always the emphasis that we tend to put on this, this section. And uh, we, uh, we use an example of a, of, a, of a strong person flaunting their freedom uh, or even uh, demonstrating their freedom in front of someone who is potentially, uh, or who's weak and they may potentially harm or violate that person's conscience. Uh, and I think an example of that possibly may, might, it might happen in a church. Say there's a bunch of guys and they're going to get together and uh, they, let's invite, invite, and they invite one of their brothers in the Lord over for a game of cards. And so the person goes to the house and when he shows up, he discovers, well, this is not just a game of cards. This is going to be a, a, a pretty high stakes game of poker. And the, the, the brother uh, who was invited, he has a personal uh, conviction and thinks that that gambling is wrong, and he, for whatever reason, thinks he, perhaps it's poor stewardship of money or whatever his reasoning for that is, because gambling is one of those things that's not particularly addressed in Scripture, and so we formulate opinions about these things oftentimes from our history or our heritage, or from teaching in some cases, um, and uh, so he he may have a a personal conviction against doing that. So then his brothers invite him into this, this environment, and so he's confronted with, now what do I do? Do I not participate? Do I make a big deal about this? Or maybe I just, oh, it won't hurt just one time for me to do this and be a part of this. So you, you can see how his conscience could be violated by the actions of his stronger brothers in this particular area. Uh, another way that that might happen uh, and, the, and the other side of the thing is when um, perhaps in the, in the idea of uh, if someone in a position of authority actually has uh, has been given uh, has been given a job and they say you know they make a ruling perhaps on something like tattoos okay there's some disagreement in the church about tattoos. Uh, but there's people within the body that feel that you know tattoos are something that we shouldn't do and we shouldn't be involved in, and um, and so there maybe makes a rule that if, well if you have we can hire you but if you have a tattoo you have to have it covered up at all times and if you have it on your arm you have to wear long sleeve shirts because we can't have your tattoo showing and then all of a sudden we get a report in uh, that one of our teachers was writing on the whiteboard and their sleeve moved up and the student saw the teacher's tattoo and so now we've got a problem. So this is, an, this is a case where, the, where a, perhaps a weak position on an issue 
is affecting and is affecting policy and is affecting and causing confusion and dissension uh, in that area. So we need to, whether you're weak or whether you're strong, we need to uh, be careful that we don't, and we have to actually have to decide that we will not stumble or hinder our brother. Well, how are we supposed to do that? How in the world are we supposed to do that? Well, Paul goes on in verse 14, and uh, if you follow along, he says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. So again, he reiterates the idea of our conscience. And if we think it's unclean, personally, for us it is unclean. And we should, and we should honor that. But look at him, he's, how he starts that sentence off. He says, I know and, and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean. Uh, you see, Paul knows the Word of God. He, he has studied the Word of God in, from the Old Testament uh, scriptures and, uh, in, his, in his study. And then he also, in his further study and understanding of scripture, was very well aware of Jesus' teaching on such things as food. And where Jesus taught in Mark chapter 7, where he basically said, there's nothing that goes into your stomach that will defile you. It doesn't defile a person to take something into your stomach. It's what we do. It's the actions that come forth. Those are the things that defile a person, he said. So watch those. Be careful of those. Also, uh, the apostle Peter. Peter was given, a, uh, we're told in, in Acts, Peter was given a vision from the Lord that told him to Peter, it's okay all of these foods that he had been raised up in his Jewish tradition to believe that, were, that he should not eat, the Lord said, Peter, eat. Matter of fact, he, he said, do not call anything unclean that the Lord has made clean. So Paul was convinced through his knowledge of the word that nothing, no food or drink was unclean in itself. And so uh, my point from that is that we really need to do do the hard work, the hard work of studying and understanding Scripture. And we can't always just take what we know about the Word of God uh, through one person's teaching uh, or one institution's teaching. We have to study ourselves the Word of God. Uh, back in 1997, I think it was, I left the company that had transferred me from Denver out here to, to California I left that company, went to work for us, a small startup company. And uh, one, of the, one of the reasons that helped me make that decision was that the owner of that company was a, was a believer. And uh, so that was really a blessing to work for a Christian man. And uh, shortly after I got started in there, he invited me to actually come and be a part of, uh, of a Bible study that he was, he, he was in. And he actually had been a part of for several years. These guys were already very close together, had been together for quite some time. And he invited me into that group. I was really honored by that. But it was a, it was a pretty strong, influential group. Uh, but I, what I came to find out later on down the road is that these guys were all, all Presbyterians. And they had all come, uh, they had come to know each other through their church, Irvine Presbyterian, down in Irvine. And they were all Presbyterians. Now, not that we have a lot of differences with Presbyterians. And many of you in here may have attended a Presbyterian church at some time in your, your faith walk. Uh, but in, in this case, as we were studying the Word of God, from time to time, we would come across some issue that I didn't quite, didn't quite agree with, maybe one of the, the positions that someone had taken on something or something that, that was said in the group. And um, so I wanted to talk about that, but I, but I was 
came to realize, I can't just blow out my opinion. Well, what's my opinion, right? What's my opinion? So I would come away from one of those sessions. I would make a note to myself, and that week, I would, I would dig. I would study. I would use every resource that I had to talk about, talk through, read, understand that topic the, as best I could. And in that process, sometimes I found out that, you know, you know you, okay, you can have your opinion, but there's a lot of opinions on this. People have been arguing about this one, you know, for centuries. People a lot smarter than you, Buzz, have been arguing this, and they haven't figured it out. So you're not going to figure this necessarily out either. So, uh, so have some grace as you're dealing with these issues. And there's other things where, you know, I, I was pretty sure from Scripture that I was right. I had, the, I had the right position on that, and I was prepared to debate that and to argue that from Scripture, using Scripture verses and in their context to, to, to make my argument. But, and also in the, in the process of that, to do that lovingly and caringly with, with those brothers uh, and that was such a great experience for me, and I learned so much because I found things I didn't know, and I dug and dug and dug until I found an answer or at least some more information on that. It tells us uh, in Scripture, in Second Timothy this is, Paul, Paul, again, is writing to Timothy, his young protege, who was a young pastor. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, okay? Speaking to the, to the Old Testament scripture and all the things that can be gleaned from that, the old, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture, he said, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We need to do the hard work to understand our faith, to understand why we believe what we believe, and then rely on Scripture and Scripture alone to formulate that opinion. Not our history, not our tradition, but Scripture, Scripture alone. Let's go on uh, as we read in Romans chapter 14, starting at verse 15. For it says, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Okay, so what was Paul so convinced of? He was convinced that we, no matter what side of issues are on, we have the power to stumble one another. And so to the weak and to the strong, he's telling them, you must limit yourself. You must impose, you must decide to put limits on your own attitudes and on your own opinions. And you do so, you do that for the express purposes of building up the church, to not tear down people. Limit yourself. Then we can peacefully coexist as brothers and sisters in Christ, although we may differ, but we can differ and love each other in peace. It goes on in verse 20, it says, do not 
For the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Again, reiterating that idea that if we violate our conscience, we are sinning. We're to do these things for the purpose, all things in consideration of the other, to build up and to not tear down. I had probably one of the better examples of that that I actually experienced here just recently. Uh, my wife and I had been, had been invited over to the, uh, the home of a, a friend here from church, and um, after we, we arrived that evening, and the, the couple uh, showed us around their home and walked us around their grounds of their, of their house and, uh, and were very, very cordial, very loving, caring to us. And as we came back into the house, the host, um, he said, well, can I, can I offer you something to drink? And he said, uh, I, I have some soda, I have some iced tea. And he says, I don't know if you drink alcohol or not, but if you do, I have some beer and some wine, and actually I have some alcohol if you'd like a mixed drink. So by just his very nature of how he presented um, those options to me, indicated to me that he was loving and cautious and caring about what my preference might be. He was leaving that, he was putting that out there for me to, uh, to tell him what my preferences were. And, by, and thereby uh, maybe... Uh, giving him some more information about me. Now, uh, if I had, if, of course, if I had chosen to drink something with alcohol in it, uh, that would have indicated something to him, and then he could have been free to make his decision based on what I had done from there. But on the other hand, if I had chosen to abstain, to not have anything, that would have, he would have been confronted with yet another decision, a different decision. Should he should he join me in abstaining? That's very well what he could have decided to do at that point, not made, another, made an issue of it at all. Or he could, have, he could have, again, gently probed to get more information, but to do it in consideration, to say something like, well, um, if you mind, do you mind if I have something? So again, he's checking on what my, my preferences are and where I'm at. So at this point, then, see, he can, he can respond then accordingly to what I said and how I respond to that. But I want to say, in, in this environment, okay, in this situation, we both have the opportunity to cause a stumbling or a hindrance uh, to the other person. Um, say, for example, say I had declined to have anything with, with alcohol in it, and I said, oh, no, I, uh, uh, I'll just, just give me an iced tea. And he had, maybe, then he, he went into maybe a little bit push. Oh, come on. It's just us guys here. Uh, you're not at church. No one's going to see you. Uh, feel free. Have what you want. Yeah, you, know, you don't need to be such a teetotaler. I'm good with that. Okay? I mean, that's, that's something he could do. Not knowing what my conscience was, was telling me. In that environment, and, and hence he could be, be, be he could be becoming a stumbling block to me. I might have felt pressure to join him, and done something against my conscience based on those comments from him. On the other hand, 
Because, and there is another hand. I could have, um, when he asked me if I had wanted a drink with alcohol in it, I could put on my holier-than-thou pastor hat and, and, and act judgmental of him and say and be repulsed and you know, act as though, what are you doing with alcohol in your home? One of, those kinds of, one of those kinds of comments. So I could actually begin to work on him and to make his conscience begin to uh, do some tricks within his mind as well. So you see, there is a possibility in an environment like that that we can both, we can stumble or cause uh, to hinder one another. So we have a responsibility. All of us have a responsibility. How do we best love the person to whom we're, we're dealing with? Uh, how do I need to limit my responses, my answers, my actions uh, to build up and not tear down uh, the kingdom of God? We're looking at uh, Galatians here. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But get this, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. That talks about the church, the church that, that is, back, is talking about one another, criticizing one another, uh, criticizing those that don't have the same opinion on things as one another. That's what that's all talked about, biting and devouring one another. And in that environment, the church will not flourish. We will not win converts. We will not... Uh, we will not be a place that people want to come and check out. We'll be, we'll be a place that is filled with angst and anxiety and uh, bitterness. Well, why? Why should I limit my freedoms or my opinion? And in answer to that, Paul tells us to let Christ be our example. He does so as we look in um, chapter 15. This, this whole account continues on as we get into the first part of verse 15. He says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, and this comes from Psalm 69.9, it says, The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever is written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. You see, Christ was the ultimate example of limiting himself for us, the ultimate example of sacrifice. And we should take note of that whenever we're struggling, whenever we um, find ourselves battling some of these thoughts within ourselves, we have to understand and look to Christ for that. We're told also in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. For though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, Jesus Christ, God, very God himself, who could with the snap of a finger 
do anything that he wanted. He came to earth, was crucified, suffered a terrible death for you and I, for that we might have everlasting life with him, uh, the ultimate sacrifice, if you will, on our behalf. And as we close out this section, I was thinking about what, how, do you, how do you close this? And, and just looking at what Paul wrote is, uh, to me, the perfect closing to this as he continues on in chapter 15 at verse 5 where he says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, for those of you who may consider yourself strong, or perhaps in some of the discussion around here, you realize that you may be actually be described as weak in this particular area. We have to remember, we've got to quit acting like two-year-olds. We've got to quit throwing tantrums. And we need to love each other. We need to limit ourselves to limit ourselves in love for the building up and the unity of the church, not tearing it down. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for your holy word. And Lord, it cuts to our heart when it convicts us. And this morning, Father, um, as, uh, as we contemplate these words as we contemplate your holy holy word we ask lord that that, that if, we, if we need to be convicted in this area that that is if that's not already happened that the resonance of these words will accomplish that and the point father of our conviction whether we are weak in these areas or whether we are strong in pushing our ideas onto others father we we pray to you that first of all, we would understand and care for our brothers and sisters, that we would place them first, that we would place them above our needs, above our desires, and that we would love on them. We would do so for the purpose of unity. So I pray this morning, Lord, and we pray together that um, if we need some adjustment in these areas, that you would provide that adjustment in our hearts and minds, and that that would work itself out in our actions, and that we would... Uh, exhibit that kind of love for one another. And Father, this morning we also pray uh, for the person in here this morning who has yet to bow their knee to you, the creator of the universe. You've given us uh, our, your son, Jesus Christ, and he came to earth, lived as a man, and then obediently gave up all of his rights and submitted himself to death on a cross. And the, the whole purpose, Lord God, the whole purpose, as you've told us in your scripture, is to give us forgiveness of sins and new life in you. Father, for any in this room today that have not yet spoken those words to you, please speak to their heart today. Draw them unto you, fill them with your Holy Spirit, and give them life anew in you. Glory be to you 
Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.